you are listening to the Booth Podcast, Saskatchewan's home for unfiltered sports analysis, hot takes, and wild, wild conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. Back with another week of CFL action. It was another exciting week in the CFL, week two, with a lot of interesting games, a lot of close games. So we'll get right into recapping these. I am Reese Shonsby, joined as always by Davey O'Doyle. How are we doing today, Dave? It was a hot one out there. You know, I'm glad to be out out of the sun work in, uh, in the air conditioning but uh i mean for all the good and the bad the riders are two and oh so it's not so bad right yeah not bad at all but we will start it off here with recapping week two starting off with the thursday niner was an interesting one between toronto and montreal season opener for toronto they had the bye week one a team with a high expectations this year coming off the first first place regular season finish in the east division last year this game was closer than i thought it was going to be with the 20 to 19 win for the argos like i said you'll have to tell me how you see it but like i was really not very impressed by either of these teams I said that about Montreal last week, but still I'm that way. And then they did this whole like Vernon Adams in Vernon Adams out kind of thing. Right. They brought Trevor Harris in. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Right. That was kind of the one highlight I saw was. I I don't even know if you can call it highlight. I think it's, it's the fact that Trevor Harris should be your starting quarterback. You know that after watching this game, Trevor Harris needs to start versus the Riders in week three instead of Vernon Adams. You didn't even (laughs) – I feel like they almost had that decision made when you look at the stats for this game. Vernon Adams attempted four passes. (laughs) And Trevor Harris attempted 30, so. I mean, yeah, that – like I said, we've we've been talking about this for how long already, though, right? Like – Yeah. Saying – like, I mean, like I said straight up, I'd rather – have Trevor Harris as my guy than Vernon Adams. And it looks like they finally figured it out. Right. And Vernon then, Adams. I mean, yeah, you, you go, you go, you go. Vernon Adams is a QB that will be in the CFL for a long time. And I just don't know. I think he's one of those journeyman backups. He got his shot at starting here. Every one of those journeyman backups, they're going to get their shot to start whether you're your Vernon Adams or your Brandon bridge or any type of those journeyman backups that are going to go around the league like this, you're yeah. going to get your shot. And Vernon Adams didn't take advantage of this shot. And sorry, Vernon, but now you're kind of relegated to that backup QB role for your career. I mean, like it's at least you just have to know what you are, right? You can't yeah. be the Montreal coaches and think, no, I think he might be a starter. Because, I mean, I guess it's kind of the classic thing with franchise QBs. If you're sure, it's no, right? Yeah. That's the rule. If you're not sure, it's no. And, like, that is not. Vernon Adams is a no. 
and like thankfully they do have Trevor Harris there, right? Mm-hmm. Who is a really experienced, really accurate thrower of the football, knows the CFL game, been around it a long time, been around teammates with guys like Henry Burris, right? He yeah. can get it done. You just have to hand the reins over. And not to take anything away from Burn Adams, you'll be a backup quarterback and you'll be the best backup quarterback in the league. Like yeah, it'd be a very good hundred percent. So you're going to be a guy that teams want to have on their roster. Right. You're never not going to make money in this league because guys want a good backup quarterback. We've seen QBs go down in this league over and over again. I remember, I think it was 2019, two seasons ago was the year that every single starting quarterback from week one missed a game with injury. Yeah. So backup QBs are a hot commodity in the CFL. Vernon Adams will be a hot one. I think. I mean, let's just flip over to Toronto here a bit. Yeah. Unless you have another point on Montreal, nope. but like I think... it is the first week of Toronto season, right? With the week one by there, but I don't know really how good Montreal is. They don't look spectacular to me and to pull off a one point win being the Argos being last year's, you know, first place finishers in the East, it wasn't a very inspired effort, right? It really wasn't. Like, Bethel Thompson with kind of what I would call a mediocre quarterback game where you go 20 – he hit his stat line, 22 for 31 for 269 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Yeah. That That is a baseline quarterback stat line. And that's not a stat line you should have against a team like Montreal. I mean, they are still getting used to things, so I'll give them a bit of credit before I write them off. But, like, you know what I mean? You got Andrew Harris now. You got Brandon Banks. You got these pieces. And then still just to really play whatever football all around the board is not a great inspired look, right? Yeah. Andrew Harris, too, 18 rushes, 87 yards, no scores. Um, You mentioned a Brandon Banks, three catches. 39 yards and a touchdown. So. Like, I mean, even, even so, right. It's just, if you watch the game, even the stats, I'm just like, I wouldn't have guessed those guys had numbers at all. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Just, and then, and then to get, let's be honest, to get lucky to win that game. Oh. They got lucky to win that game. Yes, they did. For sure. Um, kicker from Montreal. Cote, I think. Is the, the Montreal kicker? Yeah. David Cote? Is that his name? David Cote? Sounds right. Wait. Booth stats. Yep. David Cote missing a 21-yard field goal for the win with no time on the clock. That's rough. That's about the worst way to lose a game. It's bad when my dad was like, my dad has like bad back and knee and hips. And he's like, oh, I like my chances of making that one. <laughs> right. And then David <laughs> Cote goes out there and does not make it. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh boy. This is really this, this miss kick by Cote though, has brought up interesting conversations in the CFL circles about the rouge on a missed kick, kicking a 21 yard field goal. Every kicker in the league is going to have the leg power to put that through the back of the end zone. It's an automatic one point. 
a lot of people are calling for that to not be the case anymore. I mean, if you're in that situation and you had got a rouge earlier in the game off a punt or something, well, now the game's tied. You're going to overtime because you missed a field goal. Right. That's, that's tough. Um, I've seen a lot of people say it, and I think it's a good idea, is on a field goal attempt, the ball has to land in the end zone first to be a rouge. Land in the end zone, bounce out. Right. I like that idea. I think that's good. It doesn't take the rouge away from the field goal attempt. It's still possible if you have a returner that makes an error. Now that's on the returner and not the rules. Right. So that would be my way of doing it. Um, I think that's what a lot of people are saying right now. I mean, I really don't have a strong opinion about it. It's just kind of what it is. Yeah, like I said it's it, it it does give you that like oh that's a pretty cheesy kind of thing here and there. So I like I like the solution that you said that people have come up with, right? Mm-hmm. At least it gives a little bit of a chance to stop the rouge or to earn the rouge in a way, right? But yeah, yeah I mean it's it's what it is, I guess. Yeah, but it did still give Toronto the one point victory. Mm-hmm. You said it before we started recording, but this was a game that neither team looked good. No. This was uh, – I would say this was the worst game of the week, for sure. I mean, out of all the games I've, like, that I've watched this year, like, not that I've watched every snap of mm-hmm. all of the games, but, like, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I really don't want to really watch this game, to be honest. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, this game kind of stinks. Like, yeah. But yes, it is a 20 to 19 victory for Toronto. Nonetheless, they go to one and oh, the only team in the East with a victory right now. So they are on top. We move on to the Friday nighter, the same as last week's Friday nighter. It was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Ottawa Red Blacks, this time in Ottawa. And I would say a very similar game to the first game. Kind of I that. Thought, I thought, you know what I mean? I thought Ottawa's going to win this one. And then, like you said, it's kind of just like a rerun, right? Same kind of game, same style, same vibe, same Winnipeg win at the end, right? Yeah. It was, it was Ottawa mistakes again that yep. kind of cost them a couple fumbles in wrong positions, couple missed third and one attempts. Uh, some bad turnovers so yeah yeah it's a tough one um for ottawa on the ottawa side of it because you look good you don't look like a bad team i think the thing for me about that is it sucks and it's unfortunate but you did this against the west rival not the east ones that are really important and overall this team looks way better than most of the rest of these east teams do yeah. And you can fix those mistakes. Those are on you. You're shooting yourself in the foot. You can fix that with more reps, with more familiarity with the system, right? Over time, they will get better. You're not making these mistakes, or I guess you're making the mistakes, but you're not, you know what I mean? You don't look like dog shit. Some of these teams look like dog shit. You exactly. don't, you look good. If you can clean this up yourself, which is very capable and it's a long season, the Red Blacks will be perfectly fine in that East Division, right? I saw somebody say a good point. I can't remember who it was, but this is a team that's learning to win, 
right yeah. now. They've been a team that's been in a losing slump for a couple seasons here. So they're in a position of learning how to win these tight games because they haven't even been in these tight games. They weren't in a single tight game last year because no. they were getting blown over the water. So, I mean, you had a good game out of Masoli again, another 300-yard game, no touchdowns from him, um, but still a really good effort out of Masoli. Right, and I mean, <laughs> I would love just to be uh, someone really, really connected to the Hamilton fan base just to see if they're watching these games and they're watching the Ticats play and they're just groaning at this Mazzoli resurgence while the Ticats and Dane Evans are absolutely blowing these games. You know what I mean? Like, it's tough. It's going to be a tough look. Yeah, it is. We've got some unfortunate breaking news coming across the desk here. Oh, do we? Dan Clark with a broken fibia. Ooh. And, yeah. And the shifted ankle bone is what he's saying. Surgery was completed Sunday afternoon and it went well. Each day brings a new challenge uh, that I will face head on with the goal of being back on the field with my brothers. To the outpouring of kind wishes, concern, and love sent my way, thank you. That is from Dan Clark in a tweet. He says also... Any recommend any recommendations for the softest sponges for a sponge bath? Oof. So I would say with that, we'll get into it more once we get to the rider game, but unlikely to see Dan Clark back this season. Yes, and we'll get back into it, but you everybody knew him getting carted off like that, the kind of tough player that he is, the way he was, you know, crying and his frustration coming out that. Every, I'm pretty sure everybody knew that was the end of his, end of his year, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Getting back to Ottawa on Winnipeg. From the Winnipeg side of things, they look like a beatable team, which is something we haven't seen out of them in a few years here. Uh, I think I kind of tried to keep an eye on the run game in this one, comparing Oliviera to what – Andrew Harris has been in the past and they look like they aren't leaning on that run game as heavily as they have in the past, which is maybe making them beatable when you don't have the dominance of Andrew Harris, you have a really good running back in Oliviera, but you don't have a guy that can, I wouldn't say Oliviera is a game guy who take over a game. It's I agree with that completely. Right. It's, you still have to plan for this run game, but it's not how are we going to stop these guys on the ground, right? And I would say almost in the passing game, it's they're still efficient, but it's not what it was last year with Kenny Lawler and Darvin Adams at any point ready just to blow the top off of your defense, right? It doesn't quite look the same. So they said this team is good. We know this team will still be good but very beatable, which is good for uh, the boys in green here. There is. That, that's what that one was. It was it was a defensive game. There wasn't a ton of scoring. I don't think Ottawa even scored a touchdown. Uh, was The final score was 19-12 to 12 for Winnipeg in that one. Again, 
not the worst game in the world, not the best game in the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it's what it is, right? You can't expect bangers every game all season long, right? Yeah. But this next game was a banger. Didn't yeah. look like it was going to be, did end up being one. That was Calgary and Hamilton. Wow. I like. I have to have full transparency with this one. I watched the first quarter and a half, shut it off, came back and watched the whole fourth quarter. And I was like, hey, hold on a second. What's, <laughs> what's happening right here? If you didn't see what happened in this game, um, the Ticats went into halftime with a 24 to 3 lead. It looked great for the Ticats. How can you blow this one? Well, let's roll around to the fourth quarter, and it's tied 30-30. Calgary with an amazing comeback. Bo Levi-Mitchell looked like a different quarterback from the first half to the second half, for sure. Just maybe just got his mind right in the the locker room, looked at some tape and made some adjustments, and and that's all it takes sometimes. Bo with it. One thing I really want to bring up to in that fourth quarter especially – was that defensive score at the end obviously highlights yeah. it, but that Calgary defense looked like Swiss cheese and they tightened up. What I don't, I, I would have to rewatch that game again to really key exactly what it was, but they tightened up. They got the pressure up front, the defensive backs, you know, locked in. And that defense was really impressive at the tail end there for how bad they're doing before, you know, Tim White's going off all these guys to absolutely stymie Dane Evans and the Ticats like that, right? The only thing the Ticats could do by the end of the game was hit uh, Sean Thomas Erlington on those, like, flat routes, right? That's all they have, right? But good good, good for that defense, right? Yeah, it's – Dane Evans had – yeah, I don't know. I don't know which – Dane Evans looked not as bad as he did in Regina, and they still didn't get the win. He didn't have the completion percentage. He went 36 for 51. He threw 51 passes. They really leaned on him hard. 425 yards, three touchdowns. The biggest negative is two interceptions. I believe he also had the fumble on the um, defensive touchdown that you were talking about earlier. So it's a, it's a tough position that Hamilton's in right now because we saw in the first half, we thought, well, this is a different team than what was in Regina. And you come in the second half and nope, that was the exact same team that we saw in Regina that couldn't get points on the board. I don't, I mean, when we started this, when we did our preseason little stuff, I said, Hamilton's a team ripe for regression after how how close they've been and having guys leave now, but it's still kind of stunning to see them regress in this way where they're a team who knows how to win and just to absolutely blow these games. Right. Like, I don't know what to think about it. Dane Evans has had trouble holding the ball for two games straight. I don't know if this guy's going to fumble twice a game for the rest of his season or what the deal is here. Right. But said, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Hamilton. Like there's no shot. You should blow a 17 point lead or I guess a 21 point lead mm-hmm. and have no answers for anything. Right. No, it, it should be 
you should be fine to turn the TV off at that point because <laughs> it's game over. But apparently, not when Hamilton's on the field. Um, I'm glad I I'm glad I turned it on at the start of the fourth quarter, anyways, to see that. Right? I was that, like, oh, boy. That's good. It's a good thing you did that. Yeah. So yes, that was the most exciting game of the week. You saw, I think, the most heartbreaking part for Ticats fans. That was the first game at home since the Grey Cup and the loss to Winnipeg, which also went to overtime and ended in the exact same way with an interception thrown in overtime to seal the game for the opponent. This time it was the Calgary Stampeders taking the game 33-30 to in overtime. Moving on to the final game of the week. It was a game that many thought was going to be a blowout. And it did not end up being a blowout. It ended up being a fairly close game, especially until the fourth quarter. But it did end Riders 26, Elks 16. What's your initial thoughts on how are we feeling a couple days after this game, Dave? Um, I think I'm not quite as panicked as everybody else was about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I saw a couple group chats like we're in and then uh, a lot of people just, what is going on? What are the writers doing? This is, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And like, hey, they should have won by more. Yes, definitely. But when I look at this game, (laughs) this is something that the writers in the last couple of years have done quite a bit is, and like sometimes it costs us, it does, but take the first half off. Yeah. They love to do that. They love to be a, their second half team through and through, right? They've been that way. They'll always be that way for some reason. I don't know why it seems like. But they did that, right? They just took the first half off, barely held a lead, you know, squeaked one. And then in the second half, their defense kept strong as it's been the whole time. What a defense this is. And then, you know, pulled it off at the end. Um, said, what more can you say about that defense, right? Yeah. I don't even know how many turnovers, but 13 sacks I saw. Like, and then when you look at the one thing that I will take away from this game that is a little bit alarming is a without Duke, this receiving core and Fajardo looks different, which is a testament to Duke, but also like we need Duke because we can't regress what we were last year. And Jamal Morrow can run the rock. now. Jamal Morrow with the balls in his hand is great. It looked, if you would have told me you can have this guy or Andrew Harris this week, I would have said Andrew Harris going into the week. Guess I was wrong. Uh, Jamal Morrow lit it up. Uh, Going back to your defense comment, yes. So currently sacks through the season, Saskatchewan 13. Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and BC are tied for second with four each. Toronto and Montreal with three, Ottawa with two, Hamilton with one. Saskatchewan has more sacks than the entire East Division combined. Yeah, like this defense is playing, man. They got dogs out there. And that's not to mention like the how many, I don't know how many even turnovers we have, but we have at least two or three forced fumbles. I think four or five picks at this point, right? There's that one high point one that Moncrief took away in this game too, right? Like yeah, that defense is flying around, man. 
said even more than usual, this might be the best defense we've had if they keep this up. Yeah. I think the biggest cause for alarm in this game was the penalties. Yep. There was, I think we had over 15 penalties for over a hundred yards. At one point, I think it said 14 for 134 or something. And I was like, oh boy. Yeah. I will say though, I think there was a good number of those penalties that did not exist. Yeah, or there's like a lot of them too that it seems like we were getting the flag when it was just really it seemed I don't I don't know if chippy's the word because it wasn't really like that, but it was really mouthy, right? Yeah, they it was a, talking a lot of trash. And you saw at one point Campbell there right beside the referee giving uh, the Edmonton defense a piece of his mind, right? Like, yeah. Um I think it is no surprise to Riders fans or any CFL fans. Al Bradbury is the worst ref in the entire league. I saw a lot. I saw one tweet that just, it, it made me happy just to see that other people see it too. And that this is how people think is Al Bradbury is what you think Andre Prue is. That's true, dude. I, I, people hate Andre Prue because he's French, but he's not as bad as they say. No, Al Bradbury is way worse. Al Bradbury is the worst ref in the league. Dude needs to find a new job ASEP because he can't handle when players trash talk on his field, apparently. Because I get that we put in the new rule this year that if you get two objectionable conduct penalties after the whistle, you're kicked out of the game. That's fine. Other leagues have put that in. Hey, Al, nobody told you that we put this rule in and to start calling them more and more and more and more now. There wasn't an emphasis on calling them. Yeah, it, the rule wasn't like, this is the rule now, so we'll start hammering down on yeah, this. Yeah, we're not cracking down. If this happens, like if the incidentally, if this happens, we kick them out. That's the rule. Also, do love that the rule is now two to get kicked out of a game, and Derek Moncrief still ended up getting three. <laughs> he got one earlier in the game and then he got two objectionable conduct penalties on the play that he got ejected right, on right. so okay i forgot about that first one that is funny yeah. that <laughs> hey, one... come on al <laughs> ah i just put the flag in your pocket and we talked about it before we got on the show too so we get down there's zero seconds on the clock obviously it's cfl there's one more play Chris Jones, for some reason, decides to send on his field goal unit, and then Bradbury stops him, and they have a 15-minute conversation, and then the Edmonton offense goes back on, and they try a Hail Mary. A, it's the last play of the game. We don't have to have a 15-minute conversation, Al. It's a 10-point game. Spoiler alert, you can't score 10 points in one play here's the email cc at al bradbury you can't score 10 points on a single play then to go talk to jones for 10 minutes come back and give zero explanation of what just happened and then play the last game ends up in a mike edam pick game over of course it's game over it was the last play of the game we knew that was going to happen I guess it will matter maybe if it comes down to points for and against, but I'm going to say spoiler alert. I don't think the riders and the 
Elks are going to end in a tie in the standings when the season comes to an end. <laughs> yeah, prob- probably not. Uh, I, I just – I'm glad – I always say if you're a football team, don't let – don't put yourself in a position where the refs can decide the game. I'm glad the riders took fate in their hands and Mitch Picton took fate in his own hands and got those scores at the end. And the riders did come out with the win despite the shitty officiating. Yeah. I mean, the one really negative point to this game is like when we had that news break there before Dan Clark, you know, out for the year. Now we see you mentioned his ankle was moved and his, Tibia's gone now, right? Like, yeah. Um, so, so, so shitty that it's at the end, in the end of the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. See a guy like that. You got hit a couple times in that leg, you know what I mean? And shook it off and whatever. But then to have that gross one just straight into his leg like that, um, that's a, that's a guy, a heart and soul guy, a leader on that team. You're centered nonetheless, right? That's going to be a tough one to replace. It is. Um, it's a it's prayers up for Dan for sure. Just rest up, get better. There's a chance he could come back at the end of the season here. I would love to see him come back for maybe playoffs, even if that point he wasn't ready to start or anything, but just to put him on the roster to get a ring. Um, but it's tough to have the conversation of now you have to find the next guy in line. Because right now it's going to be Logan Furland who's going to step into that center spot, which he's young. He's inexperienced, and this is a team that needs to win a great cup right now. So yeah. are there options? Yeah, there's – I think the number one option would be Brendan Labatt. Can you get Brendan Labatt to come back to this team for one last run? Tell him. Just have the conversation. Brendan, this is it. This is the last run. Go on your farewell tour, and it will end in Regina in November with you hoisting that cup over your head. I think we had this conversation like last week, didn't we? Or two weeks ago for sure, yeah. if not last week. <laughs> if you weren't talking to him, now's the time, right? Now is, for sure. Like and said, if, if you, you still if, were, if you were. If you were okay with what you had, that's great. But with two young guards and now no Dan Clark at center, Brendan Labatt needs to be on the phone with you to at least gauge what what he's thinking, right? You need to be talking to him. Yeah. The other option, and I will give credit to my father, Owen Shonsby, for bringing this one up to me just a second ago. Current NFL free agent, former CFL offensive lineman of the year, former CFL rookie of the year, let's make Brett Jones the highest paid offensive lineman in the league and bring him in. Right. Good old, good old, basically a hometown kid, right? Yeah. Waver and Sass. It's not that far, man. No, nope. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. When you went that dude, I thought you were going to say JC Treader's free agent. <laughs> and I was like, what do you, what? <laughs> oh, no. NFL PA president JC Shredder joins the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> That's honestly where I thought you were going. That's where my mind went for some reason. And I was like, dude, get it real. But Brett Jones is is an option. Absolutely. Yes. 
Um, I, I don't know. He's on a is he on a practice roster right now? Is he right now? He's a free agent, I believe. So, oh yeah, throw the bucks at him. Come yeah. on, that that would be the number one option right now. I would say I would say Labat is a great option, but I mean Jones is still in his prime. He's in his prime, and he's from here, yeah. and he fills the need so well. Right, another Canadian guy anchoring in the middle with those other two. All the experience all the experience in the NFL to come back, finally playing the green and white for the first time in the great cup season. Let's go, man. Like if you are any kid who grew up playing football in Saskatchewan, it was your dream to be wearing that rider Jersey on a field, hoisting the great cup, let alone in Saskatchewan. Right. Gotta do it. Gotta throw the money at him. And just do whatever you got to do. I don't, do. <laughs> I, I don't want to do, I don't want to be this guy, but if you have to move money mysteriously, or if you have to break the cap by his whole contract, deal with the results later. Get exactly. Right? Pay the fine. Who Absolutely. cares? I don't care how nefarious this has to be. I don't care if you need to get money from some sharks or something, get it in there. <laughs> just do it. Needs to happen. It'll be worth it in the end. That does wrap up, though, week two in the CFL. From the Riders' side of things, yes, it is a victory. It's a victory that comes at a high cost, but a victory nonetheless. I don't think anybody, when we're fighting in October for the first place in the West, are going to be too concerned about our 10-point win over Edmonton because a win's a win's a win. Yep. So we will move on right now to our week three power rankings. And we do have a good bit of movement here in the middle of these power rankings. We will start it off at the bottom, as we always do, with the Edmonton Elks. They showed something this week. They showed enough that we had a small conversation about should Montreal drop below them. Yeah, we had the talk, right? But yeah, I don't know. Just, they're both both two teams are zero and two. One of you guys got absolutely stomped. I mean, one of you did miss a twenty yard field goal, so like that sucks too. But yeah, there's a little bit more credence to Montreal made the playoffs last year still, yeah. and 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 the Elks were terrible last year, yeah. right? So you have to give at least credence there, right? Yeah. The next time the Elks play at home. It will have been over a thousand days since they last won a home game. So oh, that's that is gross. Imagine being an elk season ticket holder for all this time. You're like, man, I just want to see them win one game here. That's it. I will say the fact that they still got twenty two thousand fans out last week is is good enough for that team right now. Well, let's let's be real, man. Probably nine thousand of those were Ryder fans, but hey. um, props to their owner right now, though. Um, Owner, president, I can't remember his actual title. Uh, Victor Kui coming in and kind of, he had an interview during the game with TSN. And, and I think a big message from him to Elks fans and to all of Edmonton is just be patient. Yeah. This team is, they're a couple of years away, but in a couple of years, you're going to be a very happy Elks fan because they are going to be right up there at the top of the West again. Yeah. This is the classic Chris Jones formula, right? Yep. 
he can turn this around, but you need to give him time. His first year is always tough. Yeah. That's just the way rebuilds work if you do it right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yes, it is the Elks at nine. Moving to number eight, it is the Montreal Alouettes. We said it before, they had an uninspired effort versus the Argonauts. Missing a 21-yard field goal for the win. Hey, Montreal, just want you to know, if you would hit that field goal, you would have been way higher in these power rankings this week. I mean, don't have a quarterback controversy. Don't miss a 20-yard field goal, and you'll move up. That's just, that's what it is. Man. That's really kind of the basis of power rankings. Yeah. Sorry, dude. So, sorry, you're going to be at eight for those reasons. Yep. At seven, we have the BC Lions. I said this while we were kind of deciding these. Is It's hard to move a team when they're on their bye week. So, that is the – reason that bc is still at seven but arguably you could put them higher they are the one and oh team and there's a couple oh and two teams above them but they're on their bye week we only saw one game out of them it was versus number nine elks so it's tough like i said i i, I want to see more because there's a very easy chance they move up with some good showings here but you have to keep them here right now yeah it'll be an interesting game this week Toronto versus BC. Yep. I say BC wins that game. They're going to be in fourth place. They're going to jump from seven to four real quick here. Yeah, both both <laughs> one and zero, oh, right? Already had their buys. This is going to exactly. tell us a lot about those teams. Yeah. So BC are going to stay at seven for now, but just know that could be changing real quick if you get that W over Toronto. At six, a big, big fall from grace in these power rankings for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Started the season at three, dropped to four last week. Now you're going to drop all the way to six this week. It's tough. You can't blow that lead. No, you can't blow a 21-point lead, right? And then your first home game, just lose like you did in the Grey Cup and then get blown out by the Riders and just look so sad in that second half. That's the big one is look so bad. Yeah. Look so inept, right? Calgary made them look inept. And that's just when it comes down to it, you're the six now. That's how it works. Yeah. At number five, we have an 0 2 team that looks very good still, and that's the Ottawa Red Blacks. So the, the meter is all the way up on the Red Blacks, man. They just <laughs> sucks. You got the two time defending champs back to back, couple close but tough losses. Once that team learns to win, though, it looks like the sky might be their limit, especially in that East Division, right? Yeah. So, like I said, you you have to consider quality of these games as well, and that is why Ottawa is where they are, quality of these games. Yeah, I think if you're an Ottawa Red Blacks fan, just know there's definitely hope here because I think a lot of people are saying right now, if you want a Grey Cup prediction right now on who's going to the Grey Cup out of the East, that looks like it could be Ottawa from me for sure. Mm -hmm. At four, a slight dip due to a little bit of an uninspired game versus the Montreal Alouettes. It's the Toronto Argonauts. So we had a discussion about this between them and then the Stampeders who are next at three. And I think my argument for this was Toronto didn't look great against Montreal, who's the eighth ranked team. And Calgary really turned it on their two and oh. So we have to put Toronto a bit lower here. Um, so if they look, start looking good, you can easily move up. Four is not a bad place to be at all. 
but it just didn't look like a great show. No. Uh, like I said, they would have lost if a 21 field yard field goal was made, right? That's exactly how really you, you as Toronto did not do enough to win that game. Yeah. That, that is the basis. Cause it was, you didn't win the game. Montreal lost the game. You just, yeah, you just didn't lose. Exactly. Yeah. Um, moving on to number three, it is the Calgary Stampeders. Um, what a comeback. Yep. They look good. We said this before we started to, it really comes down to can Bo get it together? Cause the rest of the players on this team can win. Yeah. It's really interesting, right? As when they're low, they look really bad. Like that first half this week. And then when they look good, they look really good. The second half this week, right? The defense tightened up, you know, when both turn it on, that offense can go. It's interesting after, you know, the last six years, the CFL has become, the CFL and TSN has just been jerking them, jerking themselves, thinking about Bo Levi Mitchell, let's be honest, right? Yeah. This guy's become the Patrick Mahomes of the CFL. And then to see him flailing like this is interesting, but this team is good when he goes, right? Yeah, it is an interesting position for the Stampeders to be in that your biggest worry right now is Bo Levi Mitchell. Yep. Surefire Hall of Famer Bo Levi Mitchell. But right now you're 2-0, and right? That's all yep. that matters at the end of the day is you're 2-0. and Things are looking up in their number three on our power rankings later. Exactly. At number two, it is the win. No, we can't do it. It's still got to be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh. Damn it. One more week. One more week. Come on. <laughs> it is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I said it before we started the show, too, when we were deciding on these power rankings. If we would have saw an excellent showing, the showing we thought we would see from Saskatchewan versus the Elks, they would be number one this week, no doubt. After what we saw to Winnipeg versus Ottawa, again, being mediocre, good enough to win, but mediocre. It was just that good enough to win, mediocre was all we saw to Saskatchewan this week as well. Yeah. So they will stay at number two. I mean, you got to consider the Dan Clark injury into this too. You lose an anchor of that offensive line a leader on this team. It's going to take a lot to come back from Dan Clark. Yeah. It's so close, right? So close to moving up, but you need a little bit of a better showing, right? Or one of these, or one pig to lose. And it just didn't happen this week. Yeah. exactly. So Saskatchewan at number two and at number one, of course it is the Winnipeg blue bombers still on that throne. As the two-time defending Grey Cup champions, who are 2-0, and despite some, I think Adam Big Hill said it was just not enough from them. It's, they're winning, but they're not happy about it. Right. They're not showing enough. Right. And that comes back to what we said, right? They look beatable, which they didn't look beatable last year, but they look very beatable this year, right? It's winning and winning matters, but it's not dominating the way that they're used to. So we'll see if this team just isn't capable of dominating or if they're just not there yet. Or if Ottawa's just a really good opponent, right? We'll see. It's going to 
the season still still has to shake out, right? Exactly. So that does wrap up our power rankings for week three. We have at nine the Edmonton Elks, at eight the Montreal Alouettes, at seven the BC Lions, at six the Hamilton Tiger Cats, five Ottawa Red Blacks, four Toronto Argonauts, three Calgary Stampeders, two Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and number one the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So here we go. Week three in the CFL. We've seen a lot out of teams now. Really, the biggest question marks are Toronto and BC because we've only seen them play one game. Everyone else, we got an idea of who they are. Right. Now, we can get a grasp on this and really get a hold of pick them here. So, we do start out with the Thursday nighter is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders heading to Montreal to take on the Alouettes. 38-10 Riders win. <laughs> Who would have thought Dave's picking a 38-10 Riders win? <laughs> That's what it's got to be. Duke's going to be back, and Brett Jones is going to come in, and we're going to put up 38. That's what's going to happen. We're going to sign Brett Jones on a short week. He's going to start on Thursday. It's currently Monday. <laughs> He's going to have two days turnaround. Hey, man, that's it. He's going to put plant Armando Sewell into the ground, dog. That's how this goes. Yeah. Um, um, I expect this to be – Trevor Harris is going to get uh, – I mean, it's unfortunate for Trevor Harris. He's probably going to get the start, and he's going to face the easy, easy undisputed top defense in this league. Yeah. Right? We're going to come in. We're going to sack him four more times. We're going to get a couple turnovers. Hopefully Duke is back. Fajardo's going to hit him. That's how this is going to go. Morrow will run all over him. They're going to be sad without Stan back. Um, like I said, I I was really confident last week. We kind of only won by 10 points, but I figured the Riders are going to take this one, man. I don't see it going another way. I don't see it going another way, too. I think, yeah, the biggest question mark is, will that offensive line hold up now without Dan Clark? It is, I assume, going to be Logan Furland to take the start. Um, for this game, at least at the center position. So we'll see. Uh, but I don't think even iffy center play is going to be enough to stop the riders from going in there and getting the win in Montreal here. How with this defense like that? Like that defense is top notch, right? And like we've seen the Alouettes score, but not overly inspired, right? Especially if they do flip-flop quarterbacks again right exactly i we're assuming it's going to be trevor harris getting a start it still could be vernon adams we don't know yeah, if it's don't. vernon adams it's going to be an even bigger riders win so yeah it's monday we don't know all that stuff yet but exactly so yes both of us here are going saskatchewan as usual when are we ever not going to go saskatchewan <laughs> yeah you're going to be disappointed if you expect us to pick a lot of games against them exactly Okay, going into the Friday nighter. Again, we have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers playing on Friday night. Holy. It's like they really like to show the Bombers on primetime here or something. I don't know. Um, It will be the Grey Cup rematch between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is not... (laughs) 
the rematch that it usually is, I don't think, when we talk Grey Cup rematch. I feel like I know what Hamilton is, and it's not great. But it'll be interesting to see what Winnipeg comes out playing the second opponent of the year now, right? Mm-hmm. They had a home and home with Ottawa. This is a different opponent for the Bombers. So it'll be interesting to see how they look. But I expect this to be a Bombers win pretty heavy, right? For sure. Yeah, I think the Bombers right now are a question mark on are they a Grey Cup winning team like they have been in the past two seasons? I think we can say not confidently, but with a a slight bit of confidence, Hamilton is not a Grey Cup contender as they are right now. As they stand, though. Yeah. Things could change throughout the season. Hamilton can get back in that spot. And, of course, once you're in the playoffs, it's any given Sunday. But I just – I don't see this game going any way but a Bombers win. Yeah, definitely. So that is another sweep there for the Bombers. We move on to Saturday. First game of the day will be the Battle of Alberta. It will be the Edmonton Elks heading down the road to meet the Calgary Stampeders. I guess if we get this, the type of performance from the Elks that it was last week, it might be interesting, but I don't think they can bank on Calgary coming in there and doing 15 or 16 penalties, right? No. Um, but I think that at the same point, if if we in that game on, on Saturday get a bad version of Bolivar Mitchell on a bad night, right? And we get the f- kind of frisky Elks defense, mm-hmm. this could be a more interesting game than we think, but it still seems Calgary to me, right? Yeah. I think we saw a lot more out of Nick Arbuckle than right. we did versus BC, a 300 yard game. He had two interceptions. One was at the end on a Hail Mary. So that, that doesn't say a lot on, it says more on the stat sheet than it does when you actually watch the game. Um, I think for the fun of it, I'll swing Edmonton's way here. It, it's, it's the battle of Alberta. You never know what's going to happen when Edmonton and Calgary meet, no matter what sport it is. Yeah, You never know. Yeah. That brings us to the final game of the week, the most interesting in my mind game of the week, and that is the Toronto Argonauts and the BC Lions. <laughs> this is a really big X factor. I don't know what this game will be. No. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if these teams are both very good or they're both very bad or they're both in the middle. Um, Toronto didn't look great, and BC looks really good in their game but they both played weak opponents, right? Yeah. So I don't really know what to make about that. They both only had one game. It's interesting. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, no, it's, it's the two most unknown teams in the league right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I don't know which way I want to swing on this one. It's so I'll tough. give you first pick. I'm going to give you first pick, and I'm just going to pick the other team. Yeah, I think right now. I think I want to go with the BC Lions in this one. I think I know we saw a lot of Toronto last season, but 
Nick Arbuckle looked good week one. Again, the most tied for the most touchdowns by a Canadian quarterback in a single game. So that's great to see uh, for the league and, and for all the conversations we've been having about Canadians this off season. So I'm going to go BC lions. Right. But really I'll I'll take Toronto then. I'll take Toronto then. Just, just to be interesting. This team did finish at top of the East last year. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's hope that give them some credit that they'll pull this one out, but I said, this game's interesting. I don't know what way it'll go. Yeah. I think if you're talking to give Toronto a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here after what we saw from them last week, they were playing in their first game and Montreal was playing in their second game of the season. That is a big factor that I don't think we mentioned quite enough. Right. Um, now we see both of these teams playing in their second game of the season. So that makes things a little more interesting. Right. Absolutely. And on the bye this week, it is the Ottawa Red Blacks who will regroup before they play BC next week. Any closing thoughts from this episode of the Booth Podcast, Dave? It just seems like this week is going to bring a lot more clarity after this week is done to where we put those teams, right? Because there's usually a couple teams, like we've talked about at the end there, that are 1-0. A couple teams, like I said, that only played each other. I think this week is, I mean, as you can probably say that about every week going down the line, is we're going to learn a lot more this week, but this week more than the other two weeks yeah. is going to tell us what we want to know about the parity of this league and of these East and West divisions, right? Exactly. It's going to be another one fun, fun one. It's, it's always a fun one. We'll get a full, it's going to of... be fun to have something to look forward to on Thursday. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean, you're just taking time on the work week. I got the Kenobi season finales on Wednesday to look forward to. And then I got the riders on Thursday, and then Friday's the weekend. Right. So wow. it's going to be good. Watch out for some, Possible non-sports content coming out here from the booth real soon. Yeah, we want to drop that little spicy tidbit. Yeah, we'll just we'll just drop a little a little sprinkle right, of it. There's been there's been some real deep uh, deep deep conversations, deep uh, you know whispers going around. The booth. So just uh, keep keep your ears uh, open and keep your eyes peeled, right? Okay, uh, let's just give people a little bit more of a tidbit about. Um, some non-sports things. Give me, give me a prediction for the Kenobi season finale. Something we're gonna see. Something big. Well, I mean, I don't think they would have paid Liam Neeson any money unless Qui Gon Jinn is gonna come as a Force Ghost, right? He has to be coming in this last episode. Obi Wan has to protect Luke. He has to beat Vader. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has to. I think he's Qui Gon's gonna make contact, right? Love it. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Booth EC. Check out our merch store. Always good there. Keep your ears out for new content coming your way. We're always excited to bring you that. As always, I've been Rich. He's been Dave. This has been the Booth Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Booth Podcast.